0: You know, COVID for me, uh, aside from the physical impacts and, you know, that it had and even has to this day, and you might hear some of that in my voice. This is a voice that's been changed since last year due to being on the ventilator for so long. Um, It really became a faith journey, Lee. Mm -hmm. Um, It transformed me. It's enhanced my perspective and all in all, throughout this entire journey, it provided affirmation to something that I've come to learn that I've always felt. And I think that's really uh, a gift from God that um, I really cherish and will share some of what that, what
1: actually took place there. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Well, I, I, I've tried to summarize your, your terrible run-in with COVID so listeners could hear in detail of the remarkable story of your NDE. Now you had a vision, um, of your family bringing you a message. So why don't we start with that? Yes.
0: Unbeknownst to me, I, you know, they called my family and, uh, my, my wife and kids and my parents and let them know that, uh, it didn't look good. And that I had less than two hours left. And they knew that there was a lot of people praying for me. And they actually said, you might want to stop praying for to make it, because if he does, in the condition that he's been in, with the fever, lack of oxygen, all the things that have gone wrong, all the blood loss, um, we do feel that he's more than likely going to end up either in a wheelchair, in a nursing home, on a feeding tube, uh, with brain damage for the rest of his life, if even by some miracle he would make it. And you know that's obviously a very hard message to get when you're praying and putting all your faith and hope in somebody's recovery, which
1: of course you know,
0: I, I really do want to emphasize that there's been a lot of people passing, you mentioned that. So continually lifting up prayers for those families. Um but with with that, in in that time frame of when that occurred. I had gone through all the surgeries and was really in bad shape. And at that point they were getting ready to lifelate me to the clinic. And um, I experienced something that was so incredibly powerful and uplifting that uh, it, just, it just changed me forever. My father first appeared right in front of me. And keep in mind, this isn't like he walked into my room. He came into where I imagined that I was at in a room wooden high walls all around me, real nice polished room. He appeared and my mom appeared. He had a red shirt, my mom had a white shirt. And my wife appeared with the kids standing behind her. She also had a white shirt. And um, I said, Jeff, you know, we know you're really sick and you're battling really hard, but if you wanna go, it's okay. My dad said, and he said, you know, we, I've talked to everyone, kids and, Teresa, and we're all going to be fine. So if you want to go, it's okay to go. And in my head, I'm like, well, I'm in the hospital right now. Where do you want me to go? And he didn't answer. And I said, they just said again, it's okay if you want to go. If you've had enough, it's okay if you want to go. And I said, yeah, I know. I understand, but where do you want me to go? kind of, you know, demanding. And my dad said, I think you need to talk to him. And he pointed behind me to my right. And as I started to turn to my right, I was immediately enveloped right into God's arms. Hmm. And I was pulled into his lap like a little kid. And his arms were wrapped completely around me. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. And the whole time I'm still, I'm, I'm trying to figure out where go meant. And he says, Jeff, you're really sick. And if you want to come home with me, you can. But if you want to stay here, that's okay too. You will serve me and do good work for me either way, either place. It's up to you. And he was giving me what I felt was that gift of free will that only God can give us. And I just continually tried to look over his shoulder to find out where go meant. And I was at immediate peace at this moment. I knew for sure that everything was going to be fine, no matter what happened. And I kept looking over his shoulder and I could see as if I could walk out above the clouds and it, It looked like there were gates far away, stone built mason, like dark stone, black stone gates or stone walls with the gate. And it was, things were going on in the background and it was all good and it was all comfortable. And the last thing before I actually got pulled into his lap was my wife said, but if you can keep fighting, keep fighting. And to me, that was, I want you to stay if you can, even though they all said, it was okay if I went. And I said to God, are you sure it's okay if I stay? And he chuckled, like as if you do know who you're talking to, right? <laughs> and, and I was like, yeah, I, I just, at that moment, I was like, I have one chance to make a decision. And I want to make the right decision. And there was no fear in either decision. I just wanted to make sure it was okay with him. And he said, of course, it's okay. You can stay or you can come with me. You're good either way. And I said, then I'll stay. Mm -hmm. And immediately I began healing. Keep in mind what you covered in the beginning was accurate and true. Every single thing that could be wrong was going wrong or was wrong. Even a recovery with a miracle looked bleak at best from a physical
1: standpoint. Let me ask you, Jeff, before we go further. At five years old, you you told me about a car accident that you were involved in, in a Volkswagen that that crashed full speed into the back of a dump truck. Yeah. And in that accident, although I guess you didn't remember whether you'd had a near-death experience or not, you no. were wearing a striped t-shirt. Tell us Tell us about that.
0: Yeah, and you know, when I first started talking, I mentioned about something that I've always felt. I've always felt that God has had my back 24-7 ever since I've been a little kid. I couldn't tell you why. I couldn't tell you where that came from or anything like that. But I felt strongly that God was always with me. And what I what I mentioned about this helped with, you know, affirmation to, to that being truth for me was when God pulled me in, I had the striped shirt on that I had the day that I was in an accident.
1: So you were like a little five-year-old sitting on God's lap wearing the same shirt you wore worn when you were five years old and in that car yeah. crash. Yeah. I think that's so amazing. Well, and even, even
0: more strange to that was back going out when it was... That time when I was five and in the accident, I left with some neighbor friends and their mom to take them to the YMCA. Mm-hmm. And I never told my mom where I was going. My dad was at work. He was a supervisor at General Motors, Lordstown. And uh, he was, you know, at work that day. And I jumped in the car, jumped way in the back in this little jump seat in a Beetle, uh, Volkswagen Beetle. And she was driving the car down, it was called Mahoning Avenue. It's our main road in Austin town at the time. And she got her foot stuck between the clutch and the brake. And she started panicking and saying, I can't stop the car. Mm-hmm. We're a good quarter plus mile away from the intersection. And there was a big truck, big dump truck, big steel back back end. Yeah. And she's like, I can't stop. I can't stop. And all we did is full speed for that Length of time it takes you to look that far ahead and keep going full speed straight into the back of the dump truck.
1: And from what they told me, I went through the windshield and got all cut up and everything. And, um, well, that, that was certainly a miracle right there that you, that you survived that. Yeah. Let, let me ask you, Jeff, after you've come back and suddenly you're healing, did, did you tell any of your doctors or nurses or your family about what you'd seen on the other side?
0: I had told my mom and my wife what happened. I began, I was so excited. Like I felt like it was incredible. I told my boss, uh, Eugene Calabria from GBS, the CEO of GBS Corp. And I could barely talk at the time. Just keep that in mind. Yes. And there wasn't many visitors, but when they would come in, a nurse would come in, I would, Kind of in around that what had happened, and some would be like, well, you know, delirium is a pretty powerful thing, and you're on a lot of medicines. And I was like, well, no, I, I know that, but this is this wasn't a dream. I had dreams. I I dreamed I was solving COVID. I dreamed I could tell them all kind of dreams I had. This was not what I experienced. Mm-hmm. In, in that and a couple nurses had come in and actually prayed and. There were breakthroughs and some of these nurses just poured themselves out to me, which never has happened to me before. And some of the docs were kind of supportive and some weren't, you know, they wouldn't be saying anything negative to hurt my feelings or my belief, but they would more or less, you know, um, express the kind of medicines that I was on. One of them actually prescribed me a different medicine, which I refused to take. Remeron. and I, 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 um, I said no. I don't. I don't need it. I'm, I'm fine. I'm going to be fine.
1: Did and they prescribe guess, that, uh, Jeff? Because they thought you were hallucinating. Um, yeah, I guess maybe maybe
0: depressed or hallucinating. I'm not that kind of personality. I'm a very positive person, and I was. I knew I was going to be okay. I really did. Yeah. And and it was now just a matter of time of healing, and that's all I could think about. My tide switched from believing that, uh, oh, I did want to mention that my local physician here in Youngstown called me on the phone. And he says, do you know who this is? And I said, yeah. And he just burst into tears. And I I said, what's wrong? And he goes, these are tears of joy. I'm crying because do you know why you're here? And I said, "I, I think I do. And he goes, you're here because Jesus wanted you here. You're the only here because Jesus wanted you here. There was nothing else we could do to help you. Wow. And I, I was like, man, I can't believe it, you know, but it just, again, more affirmation.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's so, I, it, it, I just want to say it's so powerful when a, a doctor, a nurse, a, a chaplain, a pastor, or a family member says, you know, listens attentively and carefully to uh, a near death experience and uh, affirms it, you know, whether they actually believe it or not doesn't matter as long as they affirm it for you, because this is a major life-changing event. Right. And it ha- happens, uh, happens a thousand times a day uh, to COVID patients and to, and to others as well. Um, now you're getting better. You're off the ventilator, off dialysis, oxygen is being reduced and you want to go home and then you get an offer that fortunately you could refuse tell us about that yeah i um
0: i like i said before started saying i was in the mode of how do i get out of here now i was to the point of just asking anybody if they'd come in i couldn't walk i couldn't use my hands very good and that was all just from the you know the beating my body took and um i was like can you put me on the floor i have to get out of here and I'll try crawling. And they're like, huh, no, can't do that. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And I, I disconnected my phone. I'd never watched television. I wasn't aware of what was really going on. So keep in mind, I was like in the first hundred people in Ohio that had this, mm-hmm. you know, maybe less than that. And um, nobody really was able to treat it at the time. But the the goal to get out of there was big on my mind and it was about three o'clock in the morning one of the, the nights after I prayed and talked to these nurses that were supportive um, a gentleman kind of shows up in my room and he's says listen I hear you want to get out of here
1: I said oh like you can't believe mm. and he says yeah, just." Can- you described him as a super well-dressed guy. With, yeah. Uh, dark gray f-
0: <laughs> nice suit, glasses, nice skin, dark complexion, really good looking person. And I was like, well, okay, well, I, it must be the CEO of the hospital came to see me. They're probably going to release me in the morning. At three Maybe the they morning. do this at three o'clock getting me ready. <laughs> I'm going home at five.
1: <laughs>
0: and I said, yeah, I want to get out really bad. I mean, some, what do I have to do? And I thought maybe I have to sign papers to, I didn't know what. And he said, well, you don't have to do much. He says, just do me a few favors. And I go, well, what do you mean favors? Who are you? Don't worry about that. You want to get out of here, right? And I said, yes, but who are you? he wouldn't answer. He says, I'll tell you what. There's really, you don't do a lot. Just do a couple things for me. How about just stop and talk and all that God nonsense and stop praying with the nurses for starters? And I'll get you out of here right away. And I go, Oh, I know who you are. Just leave me alone. I'm not coming. I'm not helping. You. I'm not. Just leave me alone. He said, Are you sure? I said, Leave me alone. I'm not coming with you, I'm not do anything for you.
1: And he says, okay, and he faded away. And I keep he, in mind, did, I was on the road yeah. to recovery. Good. So he, he didn't walk away. He faded away. Faded back away from the way that he came. Wow. And
0: <clears throat> I was excited because I think, well, that's now, now I know I'm good because I've just faced evil mm. and I'm still here. And I was getting ready to be released in a couple days from what I understood. And the next day I started bleeding again. And I go, you've got to be kidding me. I can't believe this. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. I, I'm, I'm bleeding again. And my hemoglobin was under four, you know, so it's really, it's really bad. And um, I, I was just totally demoralized thinking I'm sick again. I was just visited from an evil spirit or devil. I didn't know what, and I'm sick. And maybe now I'm really not going home. And go through the next day, get more blood, more transfusions to that day. All my different uh, readings are off the chart again. Fevers kicking back in a little bit, and I can't figure out why. Well, that night, about 3 o'clock in the morning again, shows up again and says, ah, I see you're sick again. You have time to think about what we talked about? You still want to get out of here, right? I can help you. And I just flat out said, listen, I know who you are and I'm not coming with you. Live or die. I refuse to come with you and follow. I will not follow you. I said, listen, Jesus, God was there for me. No strings attached. No question to ask. I've had thousands of people praying for me. I felt that I am not coming with you in any way, shape or form, live or die. And he faded away. And that was it wow. from that perspective. And I wow. stayed up until seven o'clock in the morning to call my boss again and tell him exactly what happened again. And the reason I say my boss is we've got a close spiritual relationship. He's been a spiritual mentor for me and our entire organization for years and years and years and many other people. So we've had that close connection and I could share that with him. And we prayed in the morning.
1: What did he say about a vision like this?
0: He was overwhelmed because simultaneously to things that were happening to me, he was so prayerful in prayer with God that he was having conversation and vision of of his own of that I was going to be okay until they called that night and he got the word that I wasn't going to make it. Um, He actually took the time to start writing an email because he didn't know what condition he would be in come the morning when I wasn't here anymore. So he tried framing that and heard a voice come loud to him in his heart of hearts, in his mind and says, what are you doing? Stop already. And he just stopped typing the email and he said, well, I'll finish it in the morning. Not realizing that the message is stopped because it's not true. Yeah. And I did make it. And something else happened just before I got moved out of the hospital into the fourth facility for rehabilitation. If you want me to share that, I certainly will.
1: Yes, please.
0: Um, the gentleman was coming into my room the weeks that I was in the Cleveland clinic, cleaning and sanitizing and never spoke a word and you just mop and sweep and clean and sanitize and wrote things, little things away and never said anything but hummed while he'd work just mm, 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 doing
1: his I think job. He, I think you said he was an African-American. Yep, African-American kind of short, stocky guy. Uh,
0: did his job. I always tried to say hello, never really responded or even acknowledged I was there. And keep nobody did really, because in COVID I was in isolation that entire time. Yes. And um except for, you know, they would come in, and do their quick visit and leave. But it was the day before I actually got released to Edwin Shaw for rehabilitation, which they were phenomenal too. Mercy Cleveland Clinic, Edwin Shaw, they were tremendous. Um, This day he comes in, humming along. He walks straight over to my bedside, leans on his mop or broom handle, looks me straight in the eye as if he sinks me into the pillow with his eyes. And he says, keep the faith, brother, keep the faith. God's got a plan for you. And I said, like I could barely say anything. I was shocked because I don't know why he said that. I, I, I go, don't worry. I will. And he left and he was real. That wasn't a
1: vision. He cleaned my room every day. And, and yet you said it, I think you said it, it felt like God was looking at you. It, it was like burning
0: right through me. It pushed me into my pillow. Oh, wow. It was to me, it was a command. It wasn't a suggestion. And it was straightforward, deliberate, intentional, telling me to keep the faith that God has a plan for me. And I felt like it was God bringing complete and full affirmation to what I said earlier, this being a faith journey. COVID physically was a very bad experience, but it turned out to be one of the best experiences of my life. It's changed me, it's transformed me, it's made me a better person, I never set out to have this conversation with people and I never looked for it to occur in my life. That's exactly what happened. You're not going to get a twist in the story. You're not going to get an enhanced version. This is what happened. And I'm thankful for it. I'm thankful to all the prayers. I'm thankful to all the people that lifted me up. I'm thankful to the people that supported me when I told them this story, my priest, Father Ken Miller, supported me, he understood, Um, he felt it was natural that that's the time when God would come.
1: Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting to your happy place for a happy price go to your happy price price line
0: at the time of death and people would say well with god so powerful why would your parents have to show up i said i don't i have no idea why i don't know except for that they know that i would trust what they said and they that said was like- oh, you need to talk to him
1: it was like a shared death experience in a way, because there they were. Your father knew where you should look in order to see God as if they were right there with you. Yeah. In, in the throne room. Right. Powerful. Yep. It was, it was,
0: and, and, you know, and I know we're talking near death experience and people were saying, well, did you flatline? Did you?" Do? I said, that, I don't, I did not die. And they were coding me several times throughout this journey for different things but they would get a team of people working and keep me going. But this was, this was checkout time potentially.
1: Yes. Yeah. Now, Jeff, you've, um, since then you've made yourself available to talk with folks who've suffered through COVID themselves and with their families. Uh, are, are you still doing that? And if, if someone wanted to get in touch with you, how would they do that? Yeah. You know, when
0: I came home, I, I felt, very compelled to help people any way I could, and I've always felt that. But whether it's about COVID or whether it's you know this experience that I had or maybe someone else had it, I said, you know, I'll open myself up to that, and till God shuts that door, I'll I'll leave it open. And I've been contacted from people across the entire country. Actually, uh, Lilia Samolio. Is uh, contact me and Pam. She had to dig hard to find this because I've only done two small, brief stories about this. And um, I give her a lot of credit for her service and what she tries to do, you know, to help people. And she's helped me, and uh, hopefully it'll help other people. That's why I came on the show today. Yes. Um, And if someone does want to get in touch with me, they can contact me via my email, um, which is f grill and go at gmail.com if you want to spell it out you can
1: that's f g r i l l n g o at gmail yeah, yeah.
0: fuss goes grill and go that was my
1: <laughs> that's hobby <nice>. ministry <laughs> business and um, serving people with food has been one of my passions uh, yeah well i think today you've fed them spiritually as well I think you'll probably hear from a number of people because this has been such a dev- devastating disease worldwide, terrible tragedy, but with um, huge spiritual ramifications along with the physical. Yeah. and uh, I think a lot of people have turned to God in in hope and or in despair uh, because they uh, because suddenly this is uh, our mortality suddenly becomes very real to us.
0: A really dear friend of mine, um, Donna her name, said, you know, as bad as this is, this has helped a lot of families and a lot of people come back together. And it's helping people understand what's important more so than ever. And, you know, I, I don't know how history will put all this together. I could never tell anybody how this became a political hot potato. But it's a real problem as far as if you get it like I do. Now keep in mind, my wife had it and she's only lost her taste and smell for a while. You can get it mild like that. I happen to get it wild.
1: Of course, I think the thing people always are concerned about is why God uh, favors you so strongly and and others who recover quickly and and yet there are so many tragedies involved. and it's that bigger picture that we can never fully comprehend on this side of the veil. Right. It does make sense. I think, uh, when we, when we're on the other side and reconciled being held in God's arms and comforted, it all makes sense at that point.
0: Yeah. You know, it changed the
1: perspective that it gives,
0: well, it gave me is that I really don't worry about the things that I used to. Um, I'm confident that, um, Things are okay now and tomorrow, and will be. I'm not afraid of passing. Um, life is meant for living, though you know, and I, I, I want everyone to understand it. Yes, it's we have to continue to move forward, you know, um, safely as we can, you know, as as intelligent and smart as we can, but we have to move forward. I mean. God wants an abundant life for us, yes. so we our job is to live it faithfully, be obedient in service, help others, and you know, that's, that's what I aim to do,
1: so. And not to be afraid of death. That's, not at all. Yeah, you know, because uh, God does love us and wants us to love one another.
0: No, and I think that's a perspective, you know. Uh, It doesn't mean get comfortable and avoid grieving because the only people that suffer through death in my opinion after this experience especially is the ones that are left here it going where i went or could have gone it was not even there wasn't a moment of fear i was a complete peace and joy everything was nice i felt instantaneously you know Just, I'll I'll wrap this up in a second. I did want to mention, when you talk about a miraculous recovery, that actually says that in my medical chart. And I didn't just, it didn't take me a long time to heal after what happened. The very next day, things were improving and coming off of me. I was off dialysis. I was off the ventilator. My lungs don't have COVID glass or scarring. All my organs. I was on a heart monitor through July for months. That's fine. Everything is re- was restored. And I really do believe only the power of Christ can do that. The condition that I was in. It's as if and, it didn't happen.
1: And uh, also the also the power of prayer.
0: The power of prayer, it was immense. And I would tell people I felt it. I, I didn't know what was going on out in the outside world, but I knew it. I felt I felt so... Comfortable, wrapped in all these prayers and and God's arms and everything else. I remember things. People would talk to me while I was out on the ventilator, and I can hear. I remember things. I I recite conversations that people told me Mm -hmm. that they wouldn't expect me to hear, but I heard them.
1: I know. As a chaplain, I always told people, doesn't matter, your loved one's in a coma, but they can hear you. Oh, yeah. They usually can.
0: Yeah, I encourage anybody to talk to their loved one that's dealing with, you know, something like this to talk positive. Don't just tell them you love them. Mm-hmm. Give them direction. Help mm-hmm. them, support them. They, they're listening.
1: Jeff, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. Uh, it's, uh, this is a powerful story, and it's going to help in healing in a lot of ways. Uh, so I thank you. and. you. Uh, Uh, I wish you well, and I I hope that uh, people will get in touch with you if they want to know more about what you've experienced.